4: Welcome to Inside the Dan, your home for the official podcast of University of Montana Athletics. Here is your host, Riley Corcoran.
1: And welcome in to another edition of the Inside the Den podcast, getting you all set to go for a busy weekend in Grizzly athletics. Eastern Washington coming to town to take on the 10th ranked Grizzlies, among many other sports in full swing. Thanks for making this a part of your weekly routine here, the Inside the Den podcast, whether you're listening through any of your favorite platforms, Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or just on GoGrizz.com slash Inside the Den, a packed episode for you as the football team returns home, renews a... I-90 matchup with Eastern Washington coming in. Team that made it all the way to Frisco, Texas last year. So Grizz, of course, coming off a a bit of a disappointing performance against Sacramento State. Their first FCS loss of the year, 49-22. We'll delve into that matchup and see how the Grizzlies are able to turn the page coming up for this weekend against Eastern Washington. A jam-packed episode for you. Plenty of content. We'll get the word from head coach Bobby Houck and then go west to Cheney, Washington and talk with Aaron Best, who's also leading... His alma mater to, uh, I should already say, they're at national prominence, leading them all the way to Frisco last year. The Eagles have had the best record in the Big Sky Conference over the last eight years. was very different, not playing them last year. First time since 1982, the Grizz and the Eagles did not meet on the gridiron. That will change, of course, coming up this Saturday. Be, uh, bit of a weird anomaly with the schedules the Grizz only go to Cheney one time in a seven year stretch that'll be next October so uh, taking advantage of these matchups and both teams was something to prove this weekend the Grizzlies want to get back to their winning ways Eagles are fighting for their playoff lives so we'll get an all into that football matchup then have a visit with Kent Haslam a busy schedule continues for uh, Kent as he was at Big Sky meetings he's been all over the place getting ready with the FCS playoff committee as well He'll fill us in on everything that went down uh, in Salt Lake City as well as kind of the update and just the process from the way that the playoff committee works down and right now it's getting to crunch time where each week they're going to start meeting and updating the playoff field and uh, the Grizzlies are certainly in that mix right now. Number 10 in the stats FCS poll and and already still in control of their own destiny at this point in the season for what they want to accomplish that all options are still on the table to first qualify for the playoffs, potentially be in the the seeding conversation if Sacramento State's able to falter right back in the Big Sky Conference title implications as well. Then we'll visit with Greg Sun to break down this matchup and really try and put a bow on Sacramento State and Coach Halk has played this message out with his team as well this week that we still need to learn from what happened yes, watching that film is not the most enjoyable thing to go through all the mistakes and the uncharacteristic things from the Grizzly squad, 12 penalties for a team that only averages about 5 or 6 per game, so that's just one of many of a laundry list of items that the team is attacking this week and trying to uh, move forward with. If we look at the other sports that are going on with Grizzly Athletics. Of course, the soccer team maintaining their... Slim first place lead over Eastern Washington, Northern Colorado. What a win they had over Portland State to to close out the the home stand in the home part of their schedule. Four to nothing. All the goals came in a bit of a flurry, and Claire Howard just on her way to more school records, breaking the school record for shutouts in her career. Did not allow a goal last weekend against Sac State or Portland State. So fun to watch her play. She's only a junior, so I think more records are going to start falling for the keeper for the. The Grizzlies hopefully can get her on the show next week to kind of get an update with Grizzly Soccer is they play a very important match this Saturday. That'll come up against Northern Colorado. Um, and then the makeup match against Eastern Washington the following Wednesday. Those are the two teams right behind the Grizzlies in the standings. The, the way the conference tournament works out, six teams make it. Top two will get a bye. So the Grizz not only trying to win the regular season crown, but to lock up that bye so they only have to win two matches in route to maybe returning to the NCAA tournament. Uh, and we'll see what they can do against Northern Colorado and Eastern Washington. For Grizzly volleyball, encouraging signs close but yet just still agonizingly close, I guess it'd be the way that Allison Lawrence would say that some of these matches are going against Weber State and Idaho State, picking up a set against the preseason number two squad, still faltering this young team, now going into the second half of Big Sky play. Boy, do they begin a gauntlet this week or what? Three matches in a six-day span, starting with Sacramento State coming up tonight, playing Portland State at home over the weekend. Then on Tuesday, it snuck up on us, but next Tuesday will be the great. Grizz Cat Volleyball Edition 2 of the season. Uh, As the Cats won here in Missoula, Grizz will pay the visit try and upset Montana State, a very senior-laden team, that having success this year in the top half of the league standings, that'll be Tuesday night. SWX will carry the game as well uh, if you'd like to follow along Tuesday at 7 o'clock in Bozeman. Grizzly basketball, Lady Grizz basketball, we got to see them on the court on Tuesday for the Maroon-Silver scrimmage. A lot of encouraging signs for both. Uh, Looking at at the Lady Grizz, Sammy Fatkin and double-figure scoring. Jordan Schwen was able to knock down four three-pointers, both both teams kind of rotated players in and out. We got to see Jamie Pickens, the, the freshman ESPN 100 recruit from Helena. She got in for 19 minutes of action to see Sophia Stiles back on the court and many others. Taylor Galagowski, uh, even Jordan Sullivan got out there. The the Lady Grizz great that's on the coaching staff as well. So it was a fun night there for the Lady Grizz. The Maroon team able to win it 58-53. to 53. On the men's side, they just played one 20-minute half. And it was more of kind of the main rotation guys at the beginning against some of the red shirts and guys that you won't see as much. So uh, it was an interesting mix. It came down to the very end. I, I don't know if you can say buzzer beater for a scrimmage, but 28 to 27 was the final. Nasim Gaskin in the Utah transfer, someone that I'll be keeping my eye on too. Uh, as of right now, not eligible to play, but um, will be a key contributor for the Grizzlies down the road as well as Michael Stedman, who has to sit out this year. The emergence of the freshman Kendall Manuel, the senior leader, had 11 points in the game. So, Saeed Pritchett, three points to go along with five rebounds. Those will be your senior leaders. I did not see Jared Samuelson in the matchup, but... Guys like Kyle Owens, Josh Vasquez, DJ Carter Hollinger at their first taste on the Dahlberg Arena floor. So basketball is here. Lady Grizz will take on LC State tomorrow night in their first exhibition. One of two exhibitions here at home before they begin their season. For the Grizz, they play a couple of closed-door scrimmages, but will not see them publicly until their opener November 6th at Stanford. So a lot going on as you can imagine within the athletic department. It's a busy time but it is certainly a fun time and uh, thanks for making the Inside the Den podcast a part of your weekend. Let's get right into it with head coach Bobby Houck. Grizzlies ready to begin that big stretch. Three of their next four games at home inside Washington Grizzly Stadium hoping that propels them for the stretch run. Only have to leave the state one more time till the end of the regular season. We'll catch up now with head coach Bobby Houck. The the cough's starting to go away. Coach, a little yeah. bit, even though the weather's... The l-
2: I don't know if the lung damage from pneumonia is going away, whatever it is. <laughs> whatever it is. So the, that's the way it goes. I don't know. It's aggravating to you to listen to and me to do. So.
1: That's all right. I have to have something to give you a hard time about. I exactly. Mean, you, you give the upper hand mostly. So how, that's,
2: that's how you roll, huh? Make, uh, uh, make fun of the infirmed? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That's, all right. that, I've learned from you, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's how, good. How would you best describe yourself after a loss?
2: Well, I'm I'm not very I, I I really detest it and I hate it, but you know everybody when you're the head coach, everybody's kind of looking at you, so you you have to manage that and you can't let it manifest itself or you bring everybody down. So you have to recover fast or at least to act like you are. And so uh, hopefully I do a good job of that. Um, but it it bothers me deeply when we lose, and I you know I'd like to lock myself away in a dark room and feel sorry for myself first but uh that's not productive so try to act like i'm moving on and and do my best to do that and frankly being around our staff and being around our players particularly the first time we get out there on the field after a loss is really therapeutic for me personally and i can yeah it's awesome
1: and I can attest to that Sundays because it, it, those that TV show it airs on Wednesday but that's a Sunday morning you get back at 2:30 and you kind of you're you're up ready to go mass and you go straight there you don't have much time to sit and sulk in the no, sense that, of it
2: and there's it's really wasted time to do that even though that's what you want to do
1: so i guess the the one question to wrap it all up uh, is it more that you hate answering the questions all week about the game and rehashing it all the way up until oh this is Thursday when we record this, or is it just the the internal thoughts you you're thinking to yourself? Gosh, we could have done this, we could have done that, one play yeah, here. Yeah, it's it's
2: more the the second there, you know, where you're you're looking at all the missed opportunities and how you could have done better and why you didn't do better, and so that's you know, we spend you know probably six hours on Sunday diagnosing and rehashing it. So by the time you and I get to it during the week, it's kind of Old Hat, River Mirror, we're, we're on to the next one, even though we, I mean, you know how it is when we start talking about these games from the past. I remember a lot of that stuff moving forward. Yes, you do. uh, That's just the way it
1: is. (laughs) Oh, I love it. The the mind of a head coach. Eastern Washington, uh, the matchup this weekend, I-90, didn't play last year, first time since 1982. We'll get into the whole rivalry, if there's a rivalry aspect in a second, but your favorite memories with games with the Eagles, and when you were here the first time, you guys had a pretty darn good run against them. That's changed in the last decade, but uh, your favorite memories uh, against Eastern over the years?
2: Well, I have three of them uh three three games we were six and one against them which is the best memory you know getting the w's and they beat us in 2005 that was kind of our worst team and they were better they had a terrific team that year but um <laughs> there are three members i remember i think it was oh three shane McIntyre blocking a field goal that could have tied it uh, right in the last minute of the game that was huge um i remember in i think it was oh six it was either oh six or oh eight i think it was oh six in missoula we uh uh, they called roughing the snapper on us they went down and scored, took the lead on a, on a punt return they called that on us Um, they went down and took the lead we had to clock drive it down, they got us into 4th and 10 they zoned blitzed us, Ryan Bagley made an unbelievable catch in the seam on a pass from Craig Oaks went down, Carpenter hit a field goal and won it for us in the, at the very end And then, but my favorite memory was 2004 with with Justin Green and Lex Hilliard in the backfield, in Missoula, we rushed for 360 yards on them, and we just pounded them into the dirt. I mean, it, there was nothing but dust over on that side. In fact, their DBs were running away from our big backs by the end of the game. It was just, it was the, maybe the coolest game in my my time here before.
1: And that's right on cue. You just said that down the road, you remember those games vividly, right there. Yeah. The, the three descriptions of those games against Eastern Washington uh, Eagles come in three and four, and again, it's been mentioned all week especially 200 miles to our west i guess they're i-90 with eastern washington but just the rivalry aspect how do you guys view it up here for um in these football offices for for if there's a rivalry with eastern washington and and all of those superlatives that's uh that surround this matchup coach
2: well like i say and you and i talk about when we're rolling around here where everybody in the conference is rival it's the best place to play a game washington grizzly stadium um historically has been the strongest team in the league even though um eastern's probably been that the last eight years uh, maybe eight out of the last nine uh but w- we have a rival everybody in the league treats us like we're their rival and and you hear rival uh, a lot from those teams when you interview them during any game week but we have a rival and they're to our east uh we just everybody else is a is a big league game this is uh a game that's been hotly contested certainly and uh, we're excited to play it.
1: First time that the Grizz and the Eagles didn't play in the calendar year 1982 that was uh, the last time it happened before last season so uh, you went down to Frisco last year and kind of watched the the whole experience with NDSU and Eastern Washington what do you maybe remember most from that weekend maybe not so much even about the Eagles but just just going down and kind of taking it in and having a big sky team there at the national championship.
2: Well I wanted to go down there and you know, we're always, that's where we want to be in early January, certainly. And, and so I wanted to go down there and just see what the place was like and the logistics of it and all. And I wanted to see the, the two teams that were in the game and uh, came away with, a you know, kind of a confident feel for it. Uh, feeling like pretty soon, uh, this was last January, pretty soon we'd be able to match up with those teams. You know, and the one thing I'd say about Eastern is I'm trying to figure out you know, they said they lost twenty seven seniors. I mean, <laughs> they got all these seniors in their starting lineup. I don't know what those guys were. They walk on kickers or something. I mean <laughs> I know they lost the Thule kid on the D line last year it was a defensive player. There was a was a fine player, but uh I mean they, they got a lot of veteran players and they're too deep. It's all juniors and seniors and a lot of seniors.
1: That's six seniors. Must
2: they I tell you what, that must mean that Coach Best and crew are recruiting very well. You know, they're doing mm-hmm. it right.
1: 14 of their 22 starters are seniors. Yeah. Again, so, I mean, it is a phenomenal number to lose that much to get it back. And let's just talk about the most experienced group. I mean, the numbers, I'll admit, I I double-checked just to make sure. 193 games of experience, 152 starts between the five starting linemen. When you watch that on have you seen anything like that before? And and what kind of uh, benefit is that to a
2: football team? Well, they've they've got five 50-year senior starters on the O-line. That should... uh equal production and certainly it does i mean they're they're marching up and down the field on people they're throwing it they're running it um they're they're pretty scary on offense but when you get a veteran o-line that's got all those starts um they've been in the college weight room for five years i mean they're going to be good and they are
1: i think someday that should be the grizzlies right this yeah <laughs> someday that's what we want to get to
2: but <laughs> the issue is you've got to be in that program for five years to get those guys there you know and they uh they they grow 'em up that's kind of how we used to do it around here and as we know and and you know you're practice enough and see us uh we've got good young offensive linemen in our program and mm-hmm. and we're anxious for them to grow up but the the only way that's uh happens is time goes by you you can't fast forward it it just it's that's part of being a tall skinny high school kid becoming a big old physical uh college offensive lineman.
1: it's the future is bright there if you could do a time lapse from the moment you got here to now with the offensive line just in steps it's it's certainly in the right direction
2: it's completely changed attitudinally it's completely changed from physical stature standpoint Um, it's just it's getting better
1: we have to talk about the quarterback matchup. We'll first talk about the Eagles and what they have with Eric Berrier, junior starter, third in the FCS right now in total offense, about 350 yards a game. What stands out when watching film of of what he's capable of doing behind that big offensive line?
2: Um, A lot of big plays. Um, The ability to move the chains with the quick game and and with his feet. Um, The one play that sticks out in my mind the most is the 96-yard run against Sac State. Uh, two weeks ago I mean so we got to see that one over and over for two weeks in a (laughs) row Uh, each side of the ball got to watch that he's a he's a fun player to watch if you're not trying to get him on the ground and and I mean we got to be able to get him on the ground I don't know that uh, you know he hit he hits passes down the field uh, into blitz so uh, you know it's kind of pick your poison a little bit you can't just blitz him all the time because he's he's they like the vertical game and he can rip it down the field he's got a good arm and uh you know you can't just say oh we're just gonna chance it to that all the time because he'll hurt you
1: barrier with what he can do antoine custer their senior running back over 2300 rush yards in his career and then they've got good skill yeah they just do they've got good skill wide receivers tight ends as well and then the other side of the coin here, with your quarterback situation as we record this on Thursday, we it's been out there now in the sense that Dalton's been active throughout the week and trying to give it a go here at uh, practice coming up. But just your take on just having a quarterback situation like this here going into game eight and uh, obviously uh, not ideal by any stretch of the imagination, but it just brings a different element to this game.
2: Yeah, guys, it's, it's sports. I mean, you know, it can be anything from – Tennis and a guy withdrawing in the U.S. Open from a quarterfinal match or something, or or our quarterback. I mean, whatever it is, guys uh, get nicked up, and uh, the next man up has got to perform. Um, Dalton's been in a walking around in a boot all week and and uh, trying to get his trying to get his uh, leg rehabbed and and uh, you know hopefully hopefully uh, today he gives it a go and we'll see where we're at most
1: excited? What's the most excited aspect that you're hoping to see from your team? Just the response coach. from, from I mean, We've talked about the open week and how you attribute just to maybe being a little bit sluggish off of that which kind of doesn't make sense but what do you maybe most excited to see just from your team's response? You've seen them all week in practice and love being around the guys. They're always eager for the next challenge so uh, what are you looking forward to in that aspect?
2: Yeah again we're, we're talking about college guys so making sense is not always uh, you know none of what they do is make sense have to, is to be made sense of half the time But um, it's what I'm excited about this weekend is to see them excited to play. I uh, I just did not get the uh, sense that they were real excited to play last week down in Sacramento. And I don't know why or where or what caused that. I wish I did. But, uh, you know, we to play like we want to play, you have to have an edge. Okay. You have to be edgy. You have to have a hard edge in terms of your work ethic and you have to have a little edge to you in terms of your temperament and you got to be excited when you take that field. And given that we only get 12 chances this year to do that, um, you know, I was disappointed we weren't more excited to play down there last weekend and it showed. And certainly we, uh, we did not play well on either side of the ball and, and we need to play better on both sides of the ball this weekend.
1: Well, hopefully, uh, 25,000 fans can help them out with that exci- <laughs> excitement <laughs> I factor. I,
2: you know, again, <laughs> they're going to line up somebody opposite you in a different colored uniform. You ought to be, you got to be juiced up, and uh, I think we will be.
1: Six games. You said it's your favorite six days of the year, so hopefully, we enjoy Saturday.
2: Yeah, it, it's going to be uh, going to be a great day. I don't know what the weather's going to be, but I know that uh, the people in uh, in maroon and silver, both on the field and in the seats, are going to be fired up for this one and and, uh, should be a hell of a day.
1: Cannot wait. Thanks for a little bit of time, Coach. We'll save the rest for Saturday.
2: All right, go Grizz. Fight on.
1: And you can get the sense from the team. They are eager to get back on the field and prove really that Sacramento State game was not the squad that we have seen collectively throughout the course of the year. And that was certainly the case. Five and one, we hadn't really seen a a flat performance by the Grizzlies. They did off the bye week. And you guys could feel it as well if you've been following this team all year that the momentum was there. This team each week was churning and grinding and I just got thrown off for a little bit where 95% of the time you're looking forward to your bye week. You need to get healthy. All of those things Whereas the Grizzlies, knock on wood, were healthy going into their bye week for the most part. Uh, and then coming out of it just a, a little bit flat. And this squad eager for the rivalry showdown with Eastern Washington coming up this weekend. It was unique, the fact the Grizz and the Eagles didn't play last year. First time since 1982. And that was just the run that Eastern Washington won on last year, too. We, we saw it from afar going all the way to Frisco, Texas before losing to North Dakota State in the title game. They've been a staple in, in the rankings. And this is uncharted territory for them. This is their third straight week that they are unranked and just the fourth week that they've been unranked in the last eight Years went through a stretch of a 103 weeks out of a 104 week span where they were a ranked team. They came in number one to win the league. Uh, A lot of seniors, as you heard Coach Houck mention, on their two deep. Uh, And then they kind of lost their way in non conference. Those two games against Jacksonville State and Idaho really were the head scratchers. They lost 49 45 to Jacksonville State in a game where they were leading by double digits throughout. Then at Idaho, they give up the first 28 points in the game. I, I remember being at the Grizzly Monmouth game and checking the scoreboard and wondering if that score was really right, that Idaho was stopping Eastern Washington a bit. And the Eagles have really struggled on the defensive side of the ball. They've allowed 31 points or more in five of their seven games this year. All of the makings, this could be a shootout again with what they have offensively. Eric Berrier, their quarterback, leads the way. The the offensive line uh, paves the running game for them as well. The running totals that Eastern Washington had last year, they averaged over 250. 55 yards a game on the ground. Uh, They have all those O-linemen back. Antoine Custer, their tailback. So this will be a big-time matchup. And again, for Grizz fans that might think the sky is falling, just proving that that... One game, again, was maybe more about Sacramento State, number one. And number two, if you take the broad scope of it, through seven games, I think most Grizz fans would have signed up for five and two coming into it. Maybe would have flipped around the UC Davis and Sac State results, at least on paper. And it goes to show you that uh, you can't trust the preseason polls, and a lot of things evolve from then. Both of these teams come in, in my eyes, as desperate teams in different ways. The Grizzlies desperate to prove that that wasn't – their true identity last week against Sac State to maintain their top 10 ranking and for Eastern Washington they're fighting for their playoff lives they come in at three and four they had their bye week last weekend and they need to run the table they have to go five and oh to get to eight wins and to try and stay on that at-large picture and to maybe get back into the playoff field so a lot of things at stake going into this matchup this weekend Aaron Best head coach at Eastern Washington his 23rd year there he's Uh, plays as an offensive lineman third year as the head coach and to lead your alma mater to the national championship Uh, another great story and a very likable guy that's leading his program through maybe just a tough stretch right now and they're eager to come to Washington Grizzly Stadium renew the rivalry from their side of things and we cannot wait to see the showdown between the Eagles and the Grizz time now to get the Eastern Washington perspective from Aaron Best Talking now with head coach Aaron Best in his 23rd year coaching or playing for the Eagles and coach we're just going to get right into it last year first time since 1982 the Grizz and the Eagles did not play on the field how first off how wild is that from your perspective and how excited is your team and the fan base for this matchup Saturday?
3: I tell you, wild may not be the the word to describe it. Odd, um, and, I, and I think, uh, Coach, how can I talk to the Big Sky meetings this summer? It's just it's just hard to believe that there wasn't an Eastern uh, Montana game, uh, just because it's been so competitive, uh, so followed over probably the last legitimate, you know, twenty twenty five years and. Uh, But the schedule makers didn't have us playing at any particular time and any particular place, and so we play who's on our schedule. So um, no fanfare last year, but this year when you you talk about two teams, and obviously uh, Montana, uh, unfortunately, uh, got uh, bested at uh, Sacramento last week, but uh, they were playing as well as anybody watching on film. Uh, playing very energetic on defense, guys flying around. Dante Olsen's a better version than he was last year. Just watching him last year, not preparing for him, uh, was pretty impressive. And uh, he's got those guys going uh, on defense. And then offensively, Dalton Sneed just makes, obviously, that, that team go. And he's surrounded by a respected run game, uh, but three threats – on the outside, in the slot by Louis McGee, and, and then outside, uh, flanked by those other two receivers that are uh, as talented as they come. And so, uh, you you can't really stop uh, people. You can only hope to contain them. That's kind of the approach, uh, because if you focus on one, then someone else will. Get you on the backside, so it's nice to be able to prepare for an Eastern Grizz game again this year. Uh, albeit this is uh, back-to-back trips to uh, Missoula, uh, which uh, so so it, now that we're playing, it's nice. But playing again uh, on on your guys's home turf uh, is is not uh, not always that enjoyable. But it's a great atmosphere, fun atmosphere, um, and for one day of the year uh, outside of Cheney, uh, we're all hated. And but that's what makes this game very special.
1: When well, you've been a part, coach, of a lot of teams that have come in here to Missoula that have had success, they're just a lot of different experiences. What is to you the most difficult aspect about playing at Washington Grizzly Stadium and trying, what is the formula to try and overcome that as well?
3: well I think you got to have you got to have uh, in any game you got to have a, a little bit of luck a ball's got to bounce your way uh, but for that to happen you got to create your own luck so you have to be opportunistic uh, based on you know your energy and your want to and your willingness to go out of your way to try to create that play uh, whether it be on special teams offense or defense but I think in all honesty I think just like any um, game early in the year probably the the, the one that's you know, stands out most is the first game of the year, on the road in an FBS environment. Is can can you can you can you not just weather a five to seven minute storm? Can you be effective in that first five or seven minutes? You know, can there be plays made? Can you get the momentum sooner rather than later? Um, knowing it's going to probably come down to the last series, uh, or you hope. In in Wager's Stadium, uh, that it comes down to the last series, and and he who plays best last, you know, wins the game. That it's that competitive, but this that first five to seven minutes uh, in, in a game uh, that uh, you're you're being highly rooted against, you know, can you make some things happen without going out of your way to try to make them happen? Uh, but you're willing to 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 go. Um, to the nth degree, to try to create uh, momentum for the the road team. So I think that first five to seven minutes is pivotal. It's not the end-all-be-all, but I think it's pretty pivotal in any game on the road in a hostile environment.
1: Let's go through your guys' season so far. Some ups and downs through seven games. You had your bye week a weekend to go. But just take us kind of through the first half of your seasons, maybe what didn't go your way, some tough losses to Jacksonville State, Idaho as well. But kind of give us the run of the mill with the Eagles so far this year, Coach.
3: Well, I tell you what, we came in energized, excited, and ready to go, just like every team in America does. You know, coming into camp in August, uh, we uh, we lost a, a very good University of Washington team uh, to start the season. Came home. Protected the, the the home turf against Lindenwood and played pretty well uh, throughout the course of that game, and then uh, went down to Alabama and played Jacksonville State and and played uh, we thought pretty well but not well enough obviously because you gotta um, you're, you're 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 evaluated on wins and losses and yeah, it's not how you necessarily play that's a, a benefactor usually um, or a detractor depending on you know a loss or win but uh, went down to Alabama and played well, but didn't play well enough in three phases to, to close out that game. and then went to Moscow, and, and Ida went after us early, and we tried to turn on late, but we didn't have enough gas in the tank and, and uh, lost by a by a possession uh, down in Moscow, and so obviously go, coming into the season, you know, uh, to the big sky season, I guess you could say, when you are one and three is isn't ideal. I mean, it's not something we uh, look forward to. No one does, but to me, it's how you attack Uh, the moments after that. It's how many times you get off the canvas and we're not used to getting off the canvas much but uh, that's a true characteristic of a team and and individuals and uh, so then we started out uh, with uh, the the first league game um, of the season against North Dakota and played well at home under blizzard-like conditions Mm and uh, threw the ball less than 20 times for the first time probably in my coaching career uh, due to the conditions and went down to Sac State against a good Sac State team. Uh, got after us early again. Uh, the score probably didn't indicate um, that it uh, it wasn't that far away. It was a three-possession game, but we were two, and a sack fumble turns it into a three-possession game uh, late in that game. Uh, but Sac State's a really good outfit, and then it's last uh, two weeks ago, held serve at home against Northern Colorado team and uh, and now here we are heading into Missoula. So uh, it's been a little up and down. It's been a little bit like most of the plane rides you, you, you go from you know Spokane to Seattle on. You know, a little <laughs> little turbulent uh, but you know the the plane's gonna land. Um you know you're gonna be taken care of. Uh, we just gotta continue to work hard, uh work together and uh, believe in each other, uh, which this locker will do.
1: We're chatting with Aaron Best, 23rd year at Eastern Washington. He took his program to the national title game last year, preseason number one. And, and Coach, we, we kind of lead right into it as far as playoffs are concerned. Do you feel within those locker room walls that you guys are in must-win mode, just playoffs for the remainder of the year? Has that conversation come up, or, or kind of where is the playoff conversation with your, your football team right now?
3: Well, you know, I don't think you have those conversations. I think that's for for folks like you to create that buzz. Um, because if we lo- if we listen to everybody outside our walls, uh, we'd get we'd get not much done. Um, because everybody's got opinion, everybody's got thoughts. Uh, we're, we're 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 not concerned about that because we can't be concerned six weeks from now. We got to be concerned. You know, six days from uh, you know this last Monday, so so those are the things we think about because uh, Saturdays, each each individual Saturday is a byproduct of what you've done um, in the off season. Number one, whether that be winter, uh, spring, but then also your preparation during that week, that six day prep um, to face that team, and then you got to have a a few 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 uh, again balls bounce your way and create opportunities. But uh, by no means are is this a a winner go home. Um, type type piece so the guys will be energized to play this game against obviously a, a team that's uh, uh very well put together in three phases OD and special teams and on the road again it's uh there there's some there's some things stacked against us uh but uh, we kind of like those odds we've lived those odds like you said for 23 years here in Cheney, and we've defied a lot of those odds but uh, uh by no means are we playing perfect uh, by no means do we have to play perfect to win either. Uh, you just have to score more last time I checked.
1: And the Eagles 55-10 and against Big Sky opponents there in their last 65, so we will be coming in here with a vengeance. Let's get to the quarterback matchup, Coach. It'll be fascinating to watch Eric Berrier, a guy that Grizzly fans didn't get to see firsthand last year, but, boy, you watch him. He pops off the stat sheet. He pops off the film. What do you feel his best attribute is, and what's it like coaching Eric Berrier?
3: Well, I tell you, his his best attribute, physically is he can make every throw uh, plus some uh he's not he's not short on talent in terms of arm talent um so so you you feel like when you look at at film well can we do this yes the obvious answer is yes but are we going to do this based on is it best for the team so he can do some things and not not too many people that have you know worn this jersey at that position have done we've had some pretty special ones um his best attribute, non-physical, is uh, the game's never too big. He, he, he's uh, he, he's an absolute warrior, uh, but whether it is a hundred degrees out or whether it's a hundred below out, uh, his facial expressions rarely change, and so he's a pretty steady eddy guy that way. And you kind of like that at times uh, because you're always gonna you're always gonna the the waters always seem fairly calm out of the situation. So there's there's a peacefulness about him, uh, but there's also yet a competitiveness uh, when you get to that point where the ball's in his hand. So um, he, he's got a lot of great attributes. Uh, it'll be a good situation. He loves um, the fact that he gets to play with his teammates every Saturday, practice with them during the week. And, uh, you know, like I said, he's, he's been a two-year starter, got thrust into a role last year, so we're probably fortunate to know that he's got more than, you know, uh, seven games under his belt this year, having had the reins. For for a better part of last year uh, from basically um, southern Utah on last year so uh, excited to see him play uh, he loves moments like this and uh, I'm glad he's on our team
1: and we all know the quarterback situation here in Missoula this week with, with the Grizzlies seeing if Dalton Sneed can go from your guys' perspective of it how much tougher is that to prepare or how are you guys preparing for kind of the unknown of, of Dalton Snead if he's going to be able to go on Saturday or if it will be Cam Humphrey
3: well, I tell you, I expect and the age-old question is, do you think he's going to go? Absolutely, I think he's going to go. Um, and I don't think Coach Hauke is, is posturing at all uh, when he says that, but but I also know that, that uh, watching film the last two years, not having played Montana last year, but preparing for him this year, um, seeing a crossover film from last year, he's... Dalton is is, uh, is very comfortable, way more comfortable in the system. Not that he was a bad player last year because he was a good one. Now he's even a greater one this year. Um, and a guy like that, you don't need to practice. I hate to say this, you want them to practice, but as long as he's healthy enough to play physically, I think he's probably going to be mentally sharp enough to capacitate what Coach Rosemont and company have. Um, in store for us. And so I expect him to play. I expect him to suit. Um, And if he doesn't suit, it doesn't make the game or the situation easier. It actually probably enhances uh, a Montana offense and a Montana team to kind of rally around Cam, uh, to be honest with you. So we expect uh, Dalton to play um, and and play from start to finish. But if not, then then we'll make adjustments uh, along the way. But uh, their game isn't too much different, other than the fact Cam doesn't have as many reps Dalton has had so uh, they're both effective with the pass they both have live arms Uh, they both can beat you with their feet if given the opportunity Uh, so I don't think they're going to tinker much with what they do um, in terms of their base offense no matter who's behind the center.
1: Final question for you coach and we've kind of covered a little bit of every angle of offense defense special teams if there's one matchup you're looking for at least in this game both the offenses obviously can put points on the board yardage up there but if there's one specific matchup you think is going to be very key in this game on Saturday, what would it be?
3: I would th- I would think it's our corners versus their uh, studly wide receivers. Um, and obviously the corners uh, don't play inside, they play outside, so it's kind of our safety rover position uh, over their slot. And, and being able to... Um, See where those 50 50 balls lie. Uh, see if we can play within our means and play a great technique and and, uh, and get our eyes to great situations and not be too greedy but make plays when they're there. So uh, we love challenges, and uh, they have experienced wide receivers that have a ton of stats, a ton of yards, and uh, a ton of length on the outside. And uh, so we, 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 we need to step up to that challenge. But that would be the, the curiosity this week because we have gotten better at the corner spot, having lost four, um, our two deep, our entire too deep last year to this year, uh, but uh, seeing that progression coming off of bye week, knowing that we've gotten better, how much better can we be going into uh, Missoula this Saturday is yet to be determined, so that'll be a fun one to watch.
1: It'll be a fun game in general, the Eagles and the Grizz meeting on the gridiron like it should be, and their head coach Aaron Best, kind enough to sit down with us this week. Coach, again, thank you for your time, and best of luck on Saturday.
3: You got it. thank you, Riley, appreciate the opportunity. Kelly
1: Imaging has been a proud corporate partner of Grizzly Athletics for the past few years and with seven locations throughout Montana, Kelly Imaging can help you limit business risk, cut cost, and increase productivity. Kelly Imaging provides businesses of all sizes a better way to handle your everyday business printing, mailing, and IT needs so you can focus on what you do best and they are willing to prove it. Kelly Imaging is offering Grizz fans a free print or cybersecurity analysis this year to celebrate their partnership with Grizzly Athletics. Just visit kellyimaging.com slash grizz that's k-e-l-l-e-y imaging.com slash grizz to see how they can help your business today we gave him a little bit of a break but now we get to catch up with athletic director Kent Haslam who's and I'd always say your schedule is just swamped even more so it seems like now you've been in and out Missoula I think what a couple days in the last week or so so Thanks for sitting down. We get to catch up. We we found a, a Wednesday mid afternoon to do so.
5: No, no problem. If I doze off, just uh, just kick me. No, no, pr- no problem. It's we're, good to be
1: home. Uh, that's why I want to remind you the time zone you're in, the place yeah. you're in. Okay, yeah. so everything in between and where you just came from, Big Sky meetings, and I think that's obviously the the first topic that we can kind of dive into before we discuss Grizzly football and the rest of the fall sports and basketball opening up. But how were Big Sky meetings? Just give us kind of the the run of the mill of it before we maybe dive into a specific or two.
5: Well, there. They're always interesting. It's good to get together with the fellow administrators. Uh, We meet twice a year as a full, what's called the conference council. That includes the athletic directors, the senior women administrators, and then the faculty athletic representatives. Every university has an FAR is what their abbreviation is, their acronym. So when all three of us get together, it's twice a year. And that's when we go through the legislative process that we have set through the conference bylaws so uh, one of those meetings is always in salt lake city in mid-october and then the other one goes to a campus site typically in late may or june so this year in june late late may early june will be in greeley colorado as northern colorado hosts so the meetings are good um they get um contentious is not the word at all but but you you certainly debate some topics and we we have to We debate topics that run from everything like volleyball scheduling to the use of instant replay to uh, media rights. There's a variety of subcommittees that are at work within the conference uh, that are bringing forward proposals from or legislative items from uh, coaches or others. So it's, it's good to get together, get kind of a state of the conference. It's a busy time just because you're right in the thick of soccer and volleyball and cross country and football. Uh, so uh, you kind of want to get in and get out as quick as you can.
1: Leadership wise there's been some turnover of course since oh boy it seems like in the last year or so but with Tom being in there and everything else in between at the conference office I know they moved into a new building so what what's kind of the landscape like with just the conference office in general and the leadership there at the top?
5: Well so far really have been impressed with Tom Wistersill I've said before I I really appreciate his perspective. He's been on a campus. He's been an athletic director before, so he knows the challenges that are faced at a local level. Uh, He does have to keep the entire conference as happy as possible, which is not always easy when you have 13 uh, football playing schools and 11 full members. Uh, we talked about that at the meetings this time. If 80% or if we're happy 80% of the time, he's probably doing a good job. But there has been leadership change. We were such a conference of stability with um, with Doug Fullerton for so many years. And then Ron Loggrey kind of is that uh, second in command. And they've Doug obviously retired and Ron moved on to the WAC. And, and then we had uh, Andre in there for a short time. But I think Tom will bring some real stability. I don't sense that uh, he really wants to see this as a job that he moves on from quickly. So I appreciate working with him. And um, we certainly have, uh, all the schools have different agendas and different uh, different hot button topics. And we function similarly, but very differently in the same way. So balancing all those things is difficult. But I, I appreciate his, his approach.
1: And I know from the emails that you get or just from anything in between you always hear maybe about some of the gripes within the league right and how that maybe carries over with uh, the rest of the conferences do you feel like and we don't have to get into specifics but do you feel like it the athletic director at montana that you might bring different challenges to the table that some other schools don't talk about and does that make it kind of uh, difficult when you guys are oh
5: uh, no absolutely yeah. it does make it difficult riley and and those are acknowledged up up front we talk about those candidly for example for for the for the athletic director at the University of Montana, television of Grizz football games is a really big deal, right and so we we want to generate as much revenue as we possibly can, but I also want to have access that fans can see it it's important for them, or maybe another school, and I don't need to pick one out i but another school will just say, "Hey, we just want as much revenue as we can get. We don't really care about how it all works." Because uh, you know our, we're not as much in demand on the TV side. Our fans have not become so accustomed. So it does. That's really where a lot of the 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 rub points come is in um, just the different way that that folks will go about doing their stuff. And and I don't care what you're doing. I mean, we're all collegial, but we're all competitive too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're in a business of competition. We're in a business of higher education first, but we compete and we compete against each other. So we've got to be in a conference. Um, but we also want to beat each other, and so you have to be—you have to kind of balance all those things. I joke, you know, in the, in the hamburger world, McDonald's wants Burger King to fail, right? Yes. But in a conference, you you need everyone to to elevate, but that, yet you still want to beat them. So it's a it's an
1: interesting mix. That's totally unique. Just from from listening just to your last answer, it's unique because of that right now that you guys are all trying to compete with each other, but need to work together in some facets too. So I'm sure that makes those interesting. Another, interesting committee I don't know if that's the right term to use but a very important committee that you're on the FCS playoff committee of course and that can lead us right into it and I know that there are certain things you can divulge and certain things that you certainly can so I think that our fans more than anything else are intrigued by the process so at this point late October where are you guys at as far as the process is? well
5: concerned? we had we had our first um, ranking call uh, we just finished today is Wednesday so we just got the results our first ranking call was Tuesday Uh, So the way it works now is every week leading up to uh, Selection Saturday, uh, we will have a a regional call, a West regional call, which I chair, which looks at the Big Sky, the Southland, and the Independent North Dakota. We have that call on Monday, and there's four of us on that regional committee. Um, two th- members of the National Committee, two that are not. And we evaluate and rank what we think is the best out of the West. And then those rankings go to the National Committee. And then the 10 of us, along with a number of NCA staff members, see those. Uh, Tuesday, we have our long call. We talk about po- co- uh, coaches. We talk about teams. We talk about a bunch of protocols with the championship itself, whether it's Frisco or, or changes we're going to make to the itinerary or team walks or... Football Oversight Committee reports, those type of things, how those impact. But then we rank all those teams into a top 25, and then those results we got today. And then we call again today uh, and spend about half an hour just looking over them. uh, Where do we see some things that don't seem to make sense? So it starts in full uh, full right now um, and we'll go on now for the for the remainder of, of, of every week until we get to selection
1: and is it still this year where you will announce the top 10 on ESPNU each week is that something in November that will happen or at least a couple of times yes okay so the
5: plan is um, uh, to uh, we've, we've talked a lot about this uh, and, and the NCA I'm sure will release this our plan is typically it's been three weeks out announcing the top 10 um, and I can't remember uh, exactly. It's it's on ESPN or ESPNU or or or, or during a game during the week during halftime. Yes, it, it like seems that. like it's that week of uh, of November fourth because we are a little okay. later. So yes, we'll release that top ten. One thing that I think that is going to be kind of interesting this year is that the uh, the NCAA has decided to kind of peel back the curtain just a little bit on the selections and how that process works and and do kind of a, an educational process similar to what they do with men's and women's basketball. So so look for a little bit of a one-on-one website and then some video that would come out of this, the selection uh, and kind of the the, the conversations that we have and I know the NCAA will track that a lot but I think it it does help open up kind of what the process looks like
1: and I think a lot of people again are intrigued by that just a bracket it seems whenever you put a bracket out no matter what sport it is at any level people get excited about it just the process behind it so I think that's interesting also what's the most interesting part do you think of being a part of this committee I, watching a game in 18 minutes or something you said yeah. that to me I can't even yeah. believe that I, yeah. would lo- I would love that capability but like the some of those intricacies, well, what's maybe the most unique part? Or just talk about watching a game in 18 minutes and seeing everything. Yeah.
5: well, we get three condensed games every week that we get to watch. We select what look to be um, high profile games. And we get the video for those typically on Monday, and, and we get to watch. And, and it's condensed. It takes out all of the breaks. It just goes snap, end of the play, right back to the next snap, end of the play. And and, and it takes you about 18 minutes. Wow. And so that just goes to show you the amount of actual action. It gets a little uh, confusing because you'll have a penalty called, and you won't know what it was. You'll just see that they've moved back, or a touchdown will get called back. You have no idea why. But it does give you a chance to just see a team play that uh, you may not be able to watch, a Villanova, New Hampshire, or something like that. So that's that's intriguing. And then just the resources that we have access to, various computer uh, rankings that we get. Uh, there's two professors out of Furman, two math professors that come up with a system that helps us. But it's still you rely on just good old-fashioned watching football and evaluating and, and going through step-by-step. Um, step. And remember, the, there's 10 automatic bids, and so your goal is to select the next 14 best uh, or the 14 remaining at large, and then seeding them. And then a lot of it again, Riley. I remind you this all the time. It's a regional tournament. It really is. Um, you're going to see uh, those. Those. The The goal is to get as many close together uh, to cut down on on flights. If we If it was truly a full on national, mm-hmm. we'd seed everybody and send Maine to. Uh, UC Davis and not worry about it or someone like that so uh, that's that is an interesting part of it but it's still it's still an exciting event it's a premier event for the NCAA and it's uh it's an NCAA Division 1 football playoff.
1: I worry about that 18 minute thing for the future of play-by-play broadcast. You're not hearing any broadcasters go through it. That's the thing. There's no, you no, there's there's, there's, okay, there's okay. no you can
5: hear too and I should let you watch oh, I should, it's gosh. it's really interesting. I mean no, you, I turn the volume down uh, but it does just and there's various levels of uh, of how well the the games are produced. So that that makes it difficult sometimes too.
1: And on the same topic uh, college game day going to an FCS site and I know there's been a big push from Tom Wister Sil Big Sky Conference and, and kind of nationally and it has picked up steam and I would think even more so than, than right now for them going to college game day in Brookings, South Dakota for number one versus number three. Just your thoughts on the way that the FCS is trying to get into more of that national landscape. How important that. This game is just for exposure, and hopefully, down the line, maybe here in, Mon- in in Missoula, sometime.
5: Yeah, it would be great to have that in a big sky venue. There's no doubt about it. And FCS uh, or a game day, ESPN game day, has become kind of that cult uh, following program that uh, legitimizes uh, your program. And and you have Lee Corso put on a mascot head, and you have Reese Davis and Kirk Herbstreet, uh, you know, debating on whether or not. Uh, whether or not you're going to you, you, picking the games and celebrity pickers oh, and all that stuff. So it'd be great to get it to a big sky uh, venue, but it is nice to see that. Uh, I remind folks all the time we're a division one athletic program and we compete at the highest level and uh, our football is is divided into subdivisions. But I, I've, I've said all along um, for football, if you're in Alabama, if you're in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, you want the sport of college football healthy in Brookings, South Dakota. You want it healthy in Missoula, Montana. You want it healthy in Flagstaff, Arizona. You want it healthy in other small uh, towns around the the country because if football is healthy there, then your product is even more attractive as well, and so um, you want to make sure that that that, that popularity is, is is across the country. And I imagine they will have a great crowd in Brookings. I've been to Brookings a couple of times for Dactronics training, and and I am I would imagine those Bison fans will show up in uh, in herds.
1: Wow, nice pun by go. the way. That was really good. Uh, in Brookings last year, it was December. There were no students when I was there with Grizzly basketball. And now I'm trying to envision the scene with game day. It, it'll be wild and certainly interesting. They didn't announce it till late Sunday because I wasn't sure if they got hotel rooms booked in, but they got it all good to go. That should be a, a sight to see. Now we've talked about the committees that you've been on and what you've been up to last week. Now put your – Grizz Athletic Director had on here. Well, your thoughts on Grizzly football through seven games right now, five and two, still in the top ten. The sky is not falling no, by any stretch. But just no. your, your thoughts on the season, the way it's gone so far.
5: Well, so far I am I'm, I'm sh- certainly wish we were 7-0, and but there's not a person down that football suite that doesn't wish we were 7-0 too. Right. But uh, I'm proud of how hard the team's played. Uh, no doubt disappointing in, in Sacramento, and it just kind of uh, got away from us and turned into kind of a foggy uh, uh, malaise type of a an approach, and um, but I I have full faith in uh, Coach Hauk and his staff in getting the team motivated. We don't have any easy ones, and I'll tell you, you you know this. We've talked about this. Boy, Sac- Sacramento State is legit. Yes, they are. They are not uh, our good old uh, Sacramento State anymore. And uh, impressed, I was very impressed with them, and certainly what they're doing there. Uh, but it just speaks to the level of football that's being played at the Big Sky. But look, I want to win every single one of them, uh, and and that's important. But I I am really um, just impressed and pleased with with the leadership that we have in that program, the accountability that's in place, uh, the recruiting process. Uh, Bobby does a great job of mixing. Uh, external and outreach with the uh, internal issues, he needs to make sure that he's got a football team playing and playing hard.
1: Sacramento State a note on that: they have never made the FCS playoff, so that would be. Uh...
5: Well, they are, they're going to earn it. <laughs> that's for sure yeah. because uh, I mean they started with three Eastern, Mon- Eastern Washington, Montana State, and Montana. Uh, they that's how they started, and they came out three and zero, and and that's and they've still got to play Davis and Weber State, so. They, if they come through this, they will have earned themselves a chance, and that's the unfortunate thing. Again, we've talked about on the scheduling side. Wow. You know, it's it's just too bad because um, they could stub their toe a couple of times uh, and still be, uh, you know, finished. Let's say eight and four, but have played through a gauntlet, uh, yes. and so it's going to take a lot of deep diving to make sure that uh, we're getting the very, very best teams. And that's, that is difficult to do. I mean, I've said that before, that is difficult to do when you just, you don't have, you don't have comparators
1: with the big league. And I know we could spend a whole podcast talking about the the size of the league and everything in between. And I'm sure though, we'll save that for another day. No no doubt about it. Basketball wise, uh, with the maroon silver scrimmage happening a couple of days ago, um, it was just a chance for the teams to be showcased and also the floor. To yeah. be showcased too, and this, and we were joking about it. How brand new it is? Oh, not yeah. necessarily crazy new, but still, it's a it's a new look uh, for the basketball teams. And I think that kind of just stems into the projects that you guys got working on right now with facilities being announced. Yeah. So, just uh, kind of your take on basketball is, believe it or not, it's here. Basketball season's here.
5: Well, did you? Uh, did I'll ask you. I'll put yeah. you on this spot. Okay. Did did that? Does that floor seem brighter to you? Yes. Much lighter in there. Yes. Isn't that amazing? It's how amazing. <laughs> amazing how much varnish on that floor had turned it yellow um
1: and i like the you know, shade just, of maroon too i yep, like
5: the I like that shade of maroon. maroon so it was it was time to to sand all of that uh gunk if that's a good word a great off word. um and uh, whiten it up a little bit lighten it up a little bit so uh i'm i'm excited for the floor we we've really, Uh, We've talked about this before, Riley. I think uh, focusing in on facilities that impact the everyday life of a student-athlete, I think, is so important. And that's really where we've tried to focus. Um, And uh, next up is that men's basketball locker room and a team meeting room. And then we'll move into the equipment center so that we can move uh, the equipment center out and make room for an expanded uh, women's locker room area. Uh, that's just the next step along the way. And we keep in mind an indoor practice facility. We continue to work on that and talk about that a lot. But um, I'm really, really proud of, of what we have done um, over the, the years with the support of so many. We are unique at Montana. We have to fundraise it. Um, we have to get it done. I, I met with a couple of uh, they'll they'll remain nameless, but a couple of other FCS programs, and they're doing these gigantic, uh, these gigantic facility enhancements, and you know, 25, 30 million dollars. And I said, gosh, that's a, that's a lot to raise. Said, oh, we only got to raise five million, and and the other 25 is coming from the school. And I'm thinking, wow, that'd be nice. Um, that 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 would be nice. But that's I'm not saying that as a complaint because uh, we are in a unique position. Um, but I say that as as really a pat on the back to those people who buy into what we're doing and it uh, and, uh, makes you feel good that you're self-sufficient, able to get some things done.
1: Other fall sports that are in full swing right now. Let's talk about the run that soccer's on, and they haven't lost a Big Sky match now in quite some time. Carrying it over, it seems kind of the same formula as last year, just a little bit quicker. Where they took their lumps in non-conference, and conference. and I know that you talk a lot about culture within a certain program, and you sit down with Coach Chitovitsky, any player. It was such an impressive sit down with Alexa Coyle and Chris Chitovitsky last week on yeah. the podcast, yep. and just to to see what's going on day to day, the the amount of buy in is so incredibly high and to see them have success you can see why they're correlated a bit but just your thoughts on the soccer program what they're doing right now is they entered truly the stretch run
5: well you're absolutely right on culture i say this all the time culture will trump your strategy any day of the week and culture is a buzzword i get that you could probably google culture or go to amazon and write books on culture in the search bar and get probably twenty-five, thirty thousand 30,000 of them show up. Yeah. So that, that seems to be, if you've got a formula for it, then you're going to sell it to anybody. And I don't think it's a formula that's magical for anybody. And I am impressed with, uh, with the, just talk about culture that we've created, really in all of our programs, talking about our fall sports in particular and volleyball and how hard Allison Lawrence has worked to really build a culture, a culture that's respectful and one that's got good chemistry and doesn't quit and and works hard. And Chris has done that as well in soccer. And I think those things are the ones that play out. Coach Hauk certainly does that as well. We see that through all of our sports. But um, if you're going to work in this environment and spend so many days together uh, you you certainly don't want to work with a bunch of jerks. And so, (laughs) and I, and I don't, and that's, what's really great. And I appreciate, uh, all of their hard work, but I, soccer is soccer's rolling a four, a four Oh shutout. I mean, that's like what in football, like, a that'd be like like 63, nothing. Yeah. 63 nothing. And, and so to really just lay one on and do well, I hope they can finish off the season. They got that makeup game at the end with Eastern Washington and then head to Northern Colorado for the, for the conference championships. And, um, just impressed with what they do and impressed with how hard those young ladies work.
1: And along those same lines that you say about coming into work each day and being surrounded by great people, people ask me about my job and I say the same thing. Shoot. I I go around to a football program where, you, you know, you're treated with respect number one and they're just fun to be around, created a culture and just all the fall sports right now. And it echoes through the entire Winter sports season and spring sports, but we're in fall right now. And just yeah. a great credit to Coach Howe, Coach Chidovitsky and Coach Lawrence, the yeah. the three that are really rolling right now. And along those same lines, cross country. Yes, in, in the news, and June Eastwood named uh, Big Sky cross-country athlete of the week so congratulations to her and we all know that the situation is yeah, definitely been publicized bet. at this point so just kind of take us uh, through it from your chair and uh, obviously very happy for june's success
5: i am i am happy for june and i and i i think it's important to make sure that we're clear that our goal is to support our student athletes riley sport is an amazing thing it is an amazing cultural uh vehicle for bringing people together it bridges uh all genders and races and backgrounds and religious, uh, thoughts. Uh, if you can run fast, you run fast. And, um, and this is, uh, and, and I'm, I'm proud of, um, of this department and of this program. I know there will be varying opinions when it comes to, to June and, and, but I, I feel strongly that, um, uh, that she has, she's worked hard to get to where she's at. There are protocols within the NCAA. This is not just, a uh, a person who wakes up one morning and says, I, I think I'm going to run for the women's team. I mean, this has been, I'm, uh, uh, and I don't even want to try and guess what that's been for, been like for her, but this hasn't been something that just comes up immediately. And, and we're here to follow the protocols that are in place from the NCAA and, and she has done that. And, um, and I just, uh, I don't think that somebody decides to make this big of a change in their life so that they can win a Big Sky uh, Athlete of the Week award. I just, I don't think that's what it's done for Riley. So, uh, I get there's varying opinions and I get that, um, that people will have varying opinions, but, uh, I'm, I'm proud of the way our coaches have, have, have worked with, uh, with everybody. And, and I look forward to cross country championships and, and, um, and the hard work, the the hard, hard work that people put in, uh, and all of our teams. So congratulations, congratulations to June and, and uh, look forward now to heading to Greeley.
1: No doubt that. Yeah. And going into track as well. Before I let you go, uh, you're a baseball guy. I'm a baseball guy. I, I'm through the morning stage of my Dodgers being yeah. done. I know. That Gosh. Was, that that was, was super rough.
5: I know. Rough. I, I, I hate to pick on the Nationals and the Astros, and I'm going to have people throw stuff at me. <laughs> um, but they can't because I'm on a podcast. But <laughs> to me, it's just kind of not a very interesting World Series. Oh, other than the
1: starting pitching. Starting
5: pitching, pitch. you're right. You're right. Yeah, but... Um, you know, I often think about uh, Bryce Harper. I'm like thinking, "Oh man, they're in the World Series now," but I, I think he'll get his he'll get his due in Philadelphia. And uh, I, I like Bryce Harper. I like the way he plays. I like what he brings to baseball. And but it has it's kind of an interesting yeah. fall, and you can't even watch it, right? Because no. you you got Direct TV.
1: Yeah. It's, it's blacked out for <laughs> it's me. Blacked out Maybe good for you. <laughs> I think it was a sign. I think it was a sign. Maroon oh. Silver scrimmage during Game One. Radio show yep. during Game Two. Grizzlies played. I'll probably watch one game max. Yeah. What would basically... you do
5: if the Dodgers were on this though? And that was Ooh, blacked out
1: this, I would be, uh, you'd be at a sports bar. I'd yeah. Imagine, right? I'd, I'd, I'd be tailoring my, I, definitely, I'd be planning. Okay. I'm going to come over to your house on yeah. Tuesday, go to the press box on Wednesday, your house on Friday. I yeah. would be, it'd be a little bit different. So I'd probably be going to a game. Too. Yeah.
5: It is a great time <laughs> of year though. It really it is. is. And I say this even in the, I say this in the spring too, when the <laughs> men's basketball and the women's basketball tournaments roll around. That's a great time of year. This is a great time of year though. I love, love being on a college campus this time of oh. year. The leaves are changing and football's in full, uh, full swing and you got uh Halloween coming up quick and you got to wear a jacket in the morning, but it's warm in the afternoon. And so it's, it's a fun time. And, uh, brings back a lot of great memories. I, I love baseball, but uh, I am just not tracking on it much.
1: Nah, I'm not either. Yeah. Dodgers went out, and it's a sign. Busiest month on campus. That was the, the last quick hitter before we get you. What, what is the busiest month? I would say
5: we're in it right okay. now. Yeah, yeah because uh, busy from a standpoint of just activity is, is right now. There's no doubt about it, and especially activity within facilities. I mean, you think about it right now. We've got uh, really all of our sports are going they are going softball is kind of on the back end but think about that from an equipment room standpoint think about that from volleyball and the two basketballs with wood floors you got to on a wood floor right so just think about all that has to be moving so i would say we really come to a bottleneck um over the next uh three to four weeks mid-october to mid-november
1: well it is wednesday as we record i'm just keeping you posted so you know what yeah. day it is yeah. we're gonna get you on here probably before the Cap football game to, okay. to share some more but Thanks for taking some time. As always. Absolutely,
5: Ken. Riley. You do a great job, and uh, it's always it's always fun to sit down and visit. Nope. I'm going to interview you one of these times. One of
1: these times, we have to make it happen. Hold yeah, on. I'd
5: like to get into okay. if, what, what makes Riley Corcoran tick, uh, and how much do you really like Greg Sunberg?
1: Oh, this, this will be really good. <laughs> we'll start stirring the pot in the booth. This all will right. be fun. Yahtzee. I'll just say yahtzee. <laughs> yahtzee, <on> yahtzee. <laughs> you guys right. do a great job. Thanks, Riley. Yeah, you bet. Thank you, Ken. Ken Haslem wants to know what I think of working with Greg. Well, it's perfect that we'll just transition into <laughs> Greg Sunberg and kind of give you the the radio preview of of this game. And it was always great. Uh, Greg and you get to obviously every day talk with Kent and kind of get the update but just to to see the busyness of his schedule going on right now from Big Sky meetings being on the playoff committee it's good to catch up Uh, and again for for all of Grizz Nation to to see what's going on in the life of an AD.
4: It is and and I'll tell you what uh, the entire administration from our ops to our External operations, box office, everybody's in full swing. And, and a lot of that has to do with not only the fall sports kind of ramping up to the, the, the final push, but then you have the winter sports, specifically men's and women's basketball starting. Well, they've already started, but first exhibition game this, this
1: Friday with the Lady Grizz uh, uh, hosting uh, Lewis and Clark State. And coming off that maroon-silver scrimmage Tuesday, and we closed with asking Kent this question. I'll ask it for you as well. What do you think the busiest month of the year is for an athletic department? Is it right now, or maybe is it just the the swing of right now to the end of Grizz Cat football? What would you say the busiest time of year is for Grizzly Athletics? Yeah, I I think for all
4: of us it would be be the month of November if there's one month but you could also say middle of October through middle of December but that we are in crunch time when you have that many sports going everybody's affected in a in a positive and uh, energetic way
1: but it is it's we're in the middle of the grind right now you mentioned energy let's get right into it the Grizzlies didn't play with energy at Sacramento State it was very unique and and again you get the the early questions to coach Houck about the rust and how the bye plays in and coaches don't really want to hear that totally understand but Finally, after reflecting throughout the course of the week, it was very true. That team did not play with the energy that we had seen to them getting out to a 5-1 and one start. It was just kind of an eerie feel. And we'll get to Sacramento State of how good that they are. But Grizzlies did just come out flat, and that was very surprising. They did, and it was surprising. And those things happen, especially when you're riding high.
4: You have a bye week. You're off your your normal schedule. They were. They had to be, right? Mm-hmm. Rest, uh, Rest up. Focus on academics. All those things that you should do in a bye week. Coaches get out and recruit. Uh, I don't think it's uh, necessarily a lack of focus, but those things just sometimes happen. It is funny though because the first possession that Montana had with the Jerry Louis McGee, you know, end around for a, a teeter. I thought, oh wow, there is no rust on this. They they are uh, up and at it, and then uh, it was kind of like punch counter punch. Sac State came to the next possession, took it all the way down,
1: and then it was just it was. Game on. It seemed the moment that it kind of went to a two-possession game. The Grizzlies did kind of, was pressing a little bit. It seemed like to me that, okay, this could be a back-and-forth shootout. Watch out. Okay, we score first. You come down and score. You get a two-point conversion. It's eight to seven. Let's just let the fireworks and the weirdness begin. And then all of a sudden, yeah, the Grizzlies were just kind of playing on their heels. And I think maybe that's where we bring in the Sac State element, that the Grizzlies knew they couldn't fall behind against a good Sac State team. Because a veteran team like that, they kind of took advantage. And when they felt the momentum, there was no slowing down the horn. There wasn't. And we talked about it. uh, Win in the
4: trenches, you win ball games, And they did it on both sides. Their offensive line really did a nice job protecting the quarterback. Of course, he gets it out quick, and he's part of the run game. And then defensively, they were just all over the the front of Montana. And, And you tip your hat. You go back though with the old maroon and silver glasses. There's a lot of what ifs, right? Yeah. Uh, what could haves the and, and again not to to dwell on it too much. An interception that happened that's not an interception. A drive that uh, you roll up an ankle and you have a possibility there. Drop touchdown passes. Like yeah, two passes in plural. I can put an S on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but. So all those things you just add up and you still – you honestly still could have been right in the mix. But you know what? That's football. They didn't. You tip your hat to Sac State and you hope – maybe down the road you might still play them this season.
1: And it's one of those things where Coach Hauke and everyone in Grizz Nation is ready for this team to to be at the top, that perch of being number five and, and sitting there for two weeks. And Coach was very candid. He said, hey, we, we weren't ready for that moment quite yet. We're close. And and all of Grizz Nation is just waiting right there for this team to latch onto them when they become that consistent top five, dominate week in, week out. They're close. They're right there. The pieces are in place. They feel that. But uh, also another teaching moment. for for this football program that, hey, hey, it's okay. The sky is not falling in Grizz Nation. No, no, exactly. And and I think if you talked on the streets and you said, okay, you're
4: going to go into the Eastern Washington Week 5 and 2, I I mean, I I would have to say I'd hit the yes Yes. button and and, and take it. Now, how do you get uh, that bad taste out of your mouth for a a football program? It's really easy. You come back to the friendly confines of Washington Grizz Stadium uh, to a packed house, and you get it right
1: and you get it back on track, and the best way to overcome that bad taste is you go get a win. Without question. Three of the next four games here at home. It's kind of that stretch that we've been looking for for a while. And just with starting out on the road, and there's no way to kind of put this into words that make sense, it just doesn't feel like there has, there's been that many games at Washington Grizzly Stadium this year, right? Right. From my perspective. I it's, agree. Starting off on the road. At messed, South Dakota, you yeah. usually have yeah, – I totally agree. It, it feel, and with the bye week, then on the road. The fact they've played seven games and had eight weeks of football, but only three inside Washington yeah. Grizzly Stadium is just kind of bonkers. So we're definitely ready for this stretch. One more final, and this kind of ties into the, the whole Big Sky Conference. To me, it was night and day compared to Sacramento State and the other five FCS schools. The Grizzlies have played so far this year. They were head and shoulders, I think, above everyone else. They are the clear favorite to me to win the league. We'll see what Weber State can do the next two weeks. They play at Davis, go back home to Ogden, then go right back out and play Sacramento State. Good luck. If Weber goes 2-0 and in that stretch, then I will change my opinion. Yep. But in my opinion, Sac State head and shoulders the favorite. I, I totally agree, and numbers do not lie. Right, Wins yes. and losses,
4: that's one. And then how did they play those FBF schools? Toe to toe. This
1: is a a legit team from head to toe, both sides of the ball. And the Grizzlies ready to move on now for Eastern Washington. The matchup Greg, and the the uniqueness of the the fact that these two didn't play last year for a guy that's been around this, uh, we'll call it a rivalry, the I-90 rivalry between these two. uh, Eastern um, definitely Upset at the fact they only get the Grizzlies at home once in a seven-year stretch as well, but it was a little unique not playing Eastern Washington last It
4: is, year. And, and quite honestly, if, the, if there's a, a thing that you can kind of look at, and I, I don't want to be too drastic here, but w- we have too many teams for football. Let's just call it, if you don't play everybody and you're going to crown a champion, and we have FCS playoffs, so you can't have divisions and then play it off, we have too many teams, and, and not to play Eastern every year, quite honestly, in my mind, it's a shame. They've been, let's call what it is, they've been the cream of the crop uh, when it comes to the Big Sky Conference, and they've
1: been outstanding in Big Sky Conference play. 55-10 and 10 in their last eight years in conference games. I mean, there there's your domination right there, and it's ironic, but you can go back to when Coach Houck left. The Grizzlies were dominating Eastern. They had won six of seven since Coach Houck has been away. Grizzlies one in six in their last seven against the Eagles. So we'll see if that, that shift in power has been there. But they've been the team. They've been the class of the Big Sky Conference. They go to Frisco last year as well. Um, People you know, forget about that. Oh, by I know, the way, and
4: I include, yeah. this is a runner up. This they went to the national championship,
1: and we you know Montana's hosting them th- this weekend. And if you when this schedule came out, I mean this was the game. It's funny how the Sac State game no one talked about preseason. Everyone had this game circled. Well. Hope Sac State's not a trap game for Eastern Washington. Don't you love how it kind of works out? Eastern's unranked just the fourth time in the last 8 years that they're not even ranked right now. So, it's, it's inter- it
4: is an interesting squad too. 3 and 4 on the season, 2 and 1 in Big Sky conference play. So they're right in the mix right here for the conference, you know, championship mm-hmm. or to play for. But it is uh it's a to me a typical Eastern Washington team. Uh, a team that maybe is not Their strength is on the defense. They give up a lot of yards, a lot of points. But, you know, it's one of those two. uh, They've been that bend but don't break. And then offensively, Riley, you've seen the stats and you look down their skill position, starts with their quarterback. They've got all the pieces to put up 37 points a game,
1: which what – is what they're doing right now. We'll get into the numbers here. Scoring-wise, Grizzlies averaging 38 a game, Eastern 37. Both of those top 15 in the country. The total yards, both teams are in the top seven. They're about 500 yards per game. Passing numbers are there as well. So... all the makings for a shootout. Well, the weather might not cooperate with that. Number one, supposed to be 40 degrees and kind of a rain, snow, nasty mix. Welcome to fall football, at Washington Grizzly Stadium. And the elephant in the room, of course, is Dalton Sneed. We don't know at this point. We were seeing Dalton active throughout the week and. and slowly progressing towards playing and trying to give it a go. And as we record this on Thursday morning, we'll see him out at the practice field today, and they'll kind of make a decision from there. But uh, it's kind of business as usual up there, Greg, that um, regardless of who's at quarterback, the Grizzlies feel that, hey, they recruit guys that can run the system regardless, right? So to all hands on deck, and they're very confident still if Cam Humphrey's the guy to go. Well, Bobby Houck's always had next guy up. And, And what you
4: become in a good football team, is how you develop depth. And Coach Houck, through his tenure of coaching, that's what he does, is develop, you you recruit, develop, and and you you gain depth. And Cam Humphrey, he's he's, uh, an outstanding quarterback that – could start on many teams across the country at this level. So it's, if, if
1: it is his time to shine, it's going to be fun to watch the young man in action. And they have been working together all week, seeing Dalton and Cam on the practice field and in the meeting room. So regardless, there's good influence there for Cam Humphrey. For those that are maybe just hearing his name a little bit, his journey is certainly unique, highly touted out of Issaquah, Washington, redshirted at Boise State in 2016, then transferred to Saddleback Junior College, was ranked by some as the best junior college quarterback in the country in 2016. 2017 and then transfers here in 2018 everybody's waiting for their opportunity and and, and he's more than capable as we've mentioned
4: isn't it amazing yeah. though the the stories of the, these young men and we're just talking football specifically yeah. but the road they traveled to get it, it used to be Riley you got recruited to the University of Montana you came in you redshirted maybe not right or Mm -hmm. maybe so and then you played your four years and life was good now it's it's jumping to jc or a drop down or i mean it's just crazy and both the quarterbacks dalton and cam have traveled the road to get here to the university of montana but i think they well i I yeah i do i think uh that road traveled is putting
1: them in a perfect situation to be successful not only on the football field but in life makes you appreciate makes them appreciate what they have here, too. They both have said that throughout the course, that the what a special place. And anymore, you're right, with the transfer portal and everything else, it's more of, okay, well, how many time zones did you play in in your college football career, right? right? Yeah. With, with everybody moving in and out, the offensive line is something that, that we'll mention throughout the week. Grizzly defensive line, and, and – To just get into some of those position groups, it was. It was the trenches last week. where, And, again, it's probably more on Sacramento State than it is on the Grizzlies' deficiencies there. It was just more that Sac State's very senior-laden. But I think, again, can the Grizzlies develop a consistent pass rush against an offensive line that has five fifth-year seniors, Greg, 193 games experienced, 152 starts. That's a big matchup for me in this one. It's amazing. And Eastern always gets tagged as this – and they are a spread
4: offense, but this uh, run and gun, I mean, they, they are a balanced outfit. They, mm-hmm. they rush the ball 171 yards a game. They want to establish the run. So when you have that dual threat, boy, does that make it tough for, well, the whole defensive unit, let alone the defensive front. It's not like they can just pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. They, they've got uh, run assignment. I mean, it's going to be a tough challenge to make sure their assignment driven eyes are right and and they can see this because they can explode in the run game or the pass game
1: to put numbers to that you're exactly right last year eastern washington set school records on a couple of different categories stick with me on this they averaged 255 rush yards a game last year they had dual running backs all the all season long with custer as well as pierce they averaged 6.6 yards per rush 41 rushing touchdowns in 15 games basically so they're averaging three rush touchdowns a game 3,800 rush yards. So, with Aaron Best, the yeah. former O-lineman. O-line, yeah. O-line coach. They, they want to pound the rock. Oh, they love it. They, they, they do. They take great pride in it.
4: And then you talk about the rush game. Not It doesn't just uh, start with their running back, Custer Jr. It's their their quarterback. Here we go again. Another dual-threat quarterback that Montana's going to have to uh, deal with. And he can do it through the air and, and
1: And with his legs. Eric Berrier, to your point, third in the country right now. Total offense, 350 yards a game is what he's been responsible for. 20 touchdowns, four interceptions. And then I think we've all seen the highlight at this point. The run that he had against Sacramento State, Coach Houck referenced it earlier on in the podcast, but 92 yards just takes it straight to the house. That just kind of makes you you shudder a little bit going, oh boy, this this guy has plenty of uh, offensive talent, athleticism that, I mean, it, it's going to all start and end with our quarterback and what he can do behind that experienced O-line, I think.
4: Yep, and the answer will be, can you get pressure? Can you rattle him enough to make him uncomfortable enough not to complete
1: 60% of his passes? <laughs> That'll be they'll be key. Pride and tradition game this weekend and uh, just coming back home I, I think is a good theme for us to kind of finish on this week Greg and, and three of the next four here the the excitement still around Grizzly football is there and I think it's important all the team's goals are still out in front of them I, I mean they're, they're still in great play for a conference championship three of the next four at home you take care of business Boy, hey, everything's still going to going to be on the table, but a lot of excitement just to to get this homestand rolling. And against Eastern. And, yeah. and you know, one side note, too, is Eastern has, and I'm knocking
4: on wood, yet to win a road game. Yes. Three of four, or excuse me, they're three and four. Three wins all at home, 0 and 4 on the road. So hopefully, I mean, I hate to say this. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I hope that uh, trend continues. But, yeah, it, noon kick. Kind of unique in itself. The weather should be just perfect for Western Montana, so a a lot of good things. But it is amazing how these games you can ride such highs or such lows. and And it's time to, to get the juices fired back up, get them playing
1: back at home, and see what they can do against the Eagles. And the Eagles come in and they're playing for their playoff lives too. Coach Best didn't really like the question too much, but it is what it is. They need to win out to even have a chance. And and I think that. If you're going to mention rivalry aspect, you have to put that on the table. Okay, if you think this is your rival, okay, you're going in and you're playing for your season right now. That's kind of what's on the table, and I feel in a way the Grizzlies aren't in desperation mode like Eastern is, but there's there's a lot on the line for both of these teams just in different aspects. Yeah, uh, 100%. and That's why this game should be hard fought, uh, tooth and
4: nail. We know what Coach Bess has done in the past and what style of coach he is, and, and, of
1: course, the demeanor of our staff and this team. I, I can't wait for noon on Saturday. It will be great. As Coach Halk said, it's high noon. We're going to battle. <laughs> Here we go. Greg, thanks for the time. and Absolutely. Uh, just save save the voice for Saturday. Yep. Plenty of Yahtzee calls. You only had one against Sac yeah, State. Yeah, I'm going to take it easy. I, I'm ready. Okay. I'll be ready. I'm looking at the Twinkies right now.
4: And yeah, it just hopefully gives me all the chills. Let's, Let's get it going. A lot of Twinkies, a lot of Yahtzees. I would
1: love to eat frozen Twinkies <laughs> a little bit during the game and just have my ears bleeding from you saying Yahtzee a lot. So that's Let's the goal a for den. Saturday. Let's make
4: it a Saturday afternoon, partner.
1: We will do just that. You can join us on the Grizzly Radio Network. Pre-game coverage at 10 in the morning. Kickoff just afternoon. That'll do it for another edition of the Inside the Den podcast. Thanks for making it a part of your Grizzly weekend, as we've been talking about throughout the entire Episode, just the busyness going around, going on around campus. Lady Grizz exhibition, can't even believe it. Already tomorrow night against Lewis Clark State. They'll also have another exhibition on Tuesday against Carroll College. So, as this airs on Thursday and you're listening to it throughout the course of the weekend, Lady Grizz in full swing. The men, they will not play an exhibition. A couple of those secret scrimmages in the mix. They will take on Stanford November 6th for their first game of the season. Volleyball-wise, they have a busy stretch. We'll catch up with Allison Lawrence in next week's episode at Sacramento State tonight. Then they come home to Portland State. Then they play in Bozeman on Tuesday. That game on SWX as well. Make sure you're following your Grizzly Volleyball team for the big rivalry matchup. So three matches, six days for Grizzly Volleyball. Then the soccer team still rolling in first place 5-0-2 in league play. It's been quite some time since they have faltered in a Big Sky match. Hopefully that continues on. Two matches left in the regular season. They will take on Northern Colorado this Saturday before the makeup match against Eastern Washington next Wednesday and those are the teams right below them in the standings so it'll be interesting. The Grizzlies will have They can either be first, second, or third, and will all depend on those two matches. We'll catch up with Grizzly soccer, Claire Howard, next week as she has broken the record. Congratulations to her. Then again, Grizzly football, 10 a.m. for our pregame coverage. Noon kickoff against Eastern Washington. Should be fun. We cannot wait. Hope you enjoy your weekend. Thanks for listening to the podcast, and go Grizz.
4: The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Grizzly Sports Network.